0: Welcome. I am Dr. Chelsea. This is the Passion for Dance podcast, where we talk about the four pillars of mental skills in dance, motivation, mindset, resilience, and community. And in the spirit of community, I have not one, but two special guests today. Let me tell you a little about these two amazing dance educators that are here to talk with me today. Our first guest is Joe Nickel, who has been professionally working in the entertainment industry since 2005 as a dancer, educator, and choreographer. He's been featured dancing in national commercials, was in an ABC Family movie and a new Netflix series, and Joe is currently an adjunct faculty at Seton Hill University and the founder of Thrive Dance Experience. Then also joining us today is Michelle Tolson, who has been a teacher and choreographer for over 30 years. Michelle is a former Miss New Hampshire herself and competed in Miss America. She's also a former Radio City Rockette and currently teaches at AMDA, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City. Michelle is a founding faculty teacher at Thrive Dance Experience and continues to choreograph and teach throughout the Northeast. Today, I wanted to talk to Joe and Michelle and bring this conversation to you all about our passion for dance and our work as dance educators. As I say in the episode, sometimes you just click with people right away because you are grounded in the same philosophy and approach to life and dance. And the three of us, we definitely clicked right away. In today's conversation, we talk about our passion for dance and teaching, why we believe dancers can't take a compliment and need more support from us now than they used to, and how we can also help our students redefine success and, and get through those hard times. So let's dive into this conversation with Joe and Michelle.
1: Hello, Joe and Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome.
2: Hi, Chelsea. We're so happy to be here. This is our first time.
3: Hi, Chelsea. I know, as a Joe and Michelle guest together.
2: I I know, it's so exciting. Really? I didn't
1: know that. Well, I feel honored now. I'm so happy to have you. (laughs) Will you both uh, introduce yourself a little bit to my audience and let them know who you are and your kind of dance world?
3: Okay, I, I'll start first because Michelle has a way more fascinating career than mine. Um, <laughs> I, I got involved, and I'll give you the short, I think, version of it. Who knows? Um, I, um, I got involved in, in gymnastics first. I was flipping around on my parents' furniture, and they said, I, we work hard for that, so stop doing it. And they put me in gymnastics and had to get my little um, f- you know, four or five-year-old boy energy out somehow. So um, I started doing gymnastics and loved it a lot. My older sister was dancing at a studio uh, separate from where i was taking gymnastics and um i was in the back of the room kind of shaking my hips and mimicking so i kind of i guess i could say to some degree uh met dance or started to fall in love with dance at a younger age and um you know did the this was pre-hip-hop really i guess at studios so uh i did gymnastics and i did jazz and um just did it ever since and um and then professionally was lucky enough that I started going to a few auditions, heard a few couple of no's, but it didn't take too many no's to get a yes and did everything from theme parks to cruise ships, um, did a fun gig in um, Shanghai in China. And then um, came back to the States, kind of slowed down professionally dancing, did some stuff on Netflix, did some t- film and TV stuff. But um, switched started educating more and started choreographing more for local theaters and everything from high schools to little commercials here and there. And um, recently, that's a long fast forward to launching Thrive Dance Experience, which is how Michelle and I got connected. And it's your a, a one day dance convention, education focused. And I'm so honored to have a bunch of educators um, that are uh, approach education and dance kind of with the same concept and make it important to not lose the fun and joy in dance. Because if we really go back into dance history and dance culture, dance was mostly used um, bringing people together, number one, and celebration a lot of the times. Not always, but a lot of the times. And I think it's important that we tap into that while we're, um, Uh sometimes this thing called dance could stress us out. So um, I'm pumped to be here. And that's the short version of, uh, I think, short version of uh, my (laughs) life with dance.
1: I love
3: that. Now Michelle's gets way better, by the way. So if, if you just tuned in and you're like, this doesn't sound nope. interesting, it gets nope.
1: better. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't
3: dance internationally.
2: So just, just say that. Uh, hi, Chelsea. And I started, I, I, from what I've been told, my mother put me in dance when I was two because I have very flat feet. And the doctor suggested that ballet would be good for me. Uh, I guess I was pulled out about a year or two later because I just cried the whole time. And I had to beg to go back at around eight or nine. Um, and really discovered I enjoyed it and, and did really well. And, and uh, got I really loved teaching. Started teaching at 15 out of my garage for some students that needed talents for pageantry. Uh, pageantry has been a part of my life forever. And I uh, kept going from there. was lucky enough to become the 50th Miss New Hampshire and went on to compete at Miss America in 1996 for the title of Miss America in 1997. Uh, and then the, that following year, I became a Radio City Rocket, which was really fun and cool. And I didn't know I was history making at the time. I'm the 12th Rocket of color, which is pretty cool. Uh, I started working at Wagner College on Staten Island uh, while I was doing my contract with Radio City in New York. And I have been judging dance competitions for 20 years. I was a director for a competition called Dancers Inc. for a long time. And I have just been fortunate to do what I love and I love what I do. I was introduced to Joe a few years ago and became one of his founding faculty for Thrive Dance Experience and one of his mentors for the Academy. And I am now on faculty at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City, known as AMDA. So uh, I'm a, a tap lover at heart, but I teach tap jazz, contemporary, no hip hop, unless you want some Paula Abdul which I can give you and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> that is amazing.
1: Oh, I love it. I think I love how both of you have this passion and I think that's why the three of us really connected because this is a life's passion and the education is a big piece of that passion. Like we're here because of giving back and supporting and nurturing that next the next generation of dancers. So I so appreciate both of you and spending your time with me today. Speaking of, would love to just kind of talk about that passion for dance and I know that's my podcast title, but I don't actually talk about it directly a whole lot. It's just kind of like I did the one episode, but really it is the foundation of a lot of, again, the reason why we're all still here and doing this. Uh, But do you think you have a passion for dance or is it a passion for teaching
2: or what is like that word passion really mean to you? I think I have a passion to teach dance because I love dance. I'm not the I'm no Misty Copeland. You're not going to see me doing that, but I I can help my students get to a place where they feel like a Misty Copeland. Uh, Mm. So my passion for the arts transcends that. And I think I am, I do a really good job of bringing that into the classroom because I think that you have to love dance to teach dance well for your students to love dance as much as you
3: do. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I I feel like, I don't know if it's at convention or in my classes, especially with younger ones, I'll say, um, you know, I'll set kind of the rules of my class. And part of those rules is that they share, you know, and they they show what value that they're putting into the class. Because if everybody puts some value into it, well, I'll get more out of it. With that said, I do the analogy of when you have something you like, you share it. So if you have a box of cookies and that cookie's delicious and your friends come over, you're probably like, hey, have you tried these cookies before? And I think there's something special in everybody that has a passion for dance. So therefore, if we're together, um, let's all share that passion of dance. And I think the way, probably because of the careers that Michelle and I and yourself as well, Chelsea, are in, um, we're at the educational, we're, we're all in education to some degree. So we're sharing our passion through dance by educating. I guess is how I would answer that.
2: But Chelsea, let me tell you, Joe and I, it's fun as he's talking, I'm thinking about it. Joe and I talk pretty much every day about something dance related, whether it's his students, my students, something on dance history we discovered, a, a TikTok that we really like. So I'm I'm gonna take my answer back and we just we just have a passion for dance, Joe. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> we do. It
1: takes over so much of our lives, but that's I agree what makes you a good teacher is carrying that passion and teaching it to your students. Which as Joe, as you were talking, made me think about it too. What about when your dancers don't share that passion? Do you, is it like a personal affront of like, I'm not showing them what this could really be or you're able to be like, that's okay. We don't all have the same love.
3: Yeah, yeah. well, you start with just kicking them out of the room. I'm kidding. Um, uh, (laughs) But, but but kind of. Okay, so that you, so this is, this is going to happen the whole podcast. You, one of you are talking or one of us is going to talk and the other one's going to have a light bulb that goes off of like, oh yeah, this is my new answer to this question. Um, (laughs) I think I, I, so I remember like struggling with this, and you're like, "What? Like, all oh, we all do." If there's other, I know there's plenty of dance educators, and I'm so nervous because I know you have a great audience, that I'm hoping I'm doing something to enlighten, or um, if not, you and Michelle will. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, okay, this is where I, this is where I'm getting at. I think um, if, at the end of the day, it's our if we're trying to make these, if we're trying to encourage these kids to be passionate about dance. That might be the wrong thing. We want to model what it looks like to be passionate. Because that's gonna have a bigger impact because then those kids, if it's not dance, what they learned is how to be passionate or what passion looks like, and then they'll find it. And if it's not dance, we can't look at that as a failure. If they find a passion, we have to think we were just a part of them finding their passion because we modeled it when they were seven or four or 18. And to me, I think that's, I had this shift that in my brain and then, therefore, I, I shifted my responsibility as an educator.
2: I agree with that 100%. And I think passion, we have to remember, passion looks different for each person. So when I'm in there and, I, and I'm living my best life in my tap shoes, and I see a student, and it's very different from a dance studio to a, a high performing arts high school to a conservatory or college, what you see. Um you can't, it's apples and oranges. What I feel like is passion and what a student feels like they're giving me is their passion. You can't compare and that's okay. But we have to remind ourselves as educators Mm -hmm. that it looks different and feels different for everyone. And I think sometimes as educators, we lose that.
1: Oh, I agree. And I think there's the like super extroverted dancers or the ones who easily express their passion. And then the ones that might be quiet or they don't really do you, are you sure? Do you still love this? Are, are you still having fun here? And they absolutely are, but we don't see it as, as brightly as we might in others.
3: Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, Michelle, when we just taught that intensive this weekend, uh, that there was a dancer, we did a two day intensive, the first thing in the morning, day one, Michelle goes, Joe, come here. And I go into the dance room. and Well, no, because you were excited and you wanted me to be a part of this. That's why it Um, but there is a dancer who was an older dancer and, she was ear to ear, smiling and gleaming, and was like, "And she was like, what?" And you were like, "Tell him." She was like, "I think I want to look into doing this for a living." Like it clicked, the light bulb clicked, it, the, the the love, yeah. the, the butterflies happened, and it was so endearing. So she had more, I think, Chelsea, that extroverted way of showing it, um where like Michelle, I think you said, not everyone shows it, you know, differently or at the same time that you're seeing it, you know, or okay. maybe they go home and they show it or they're. They're um, presenting their passion in a different way, maybe.
2: I met yeah. somebody at Joe's convention a couple of years ago that took my class, and she comes up on almost everything we talk about. She took my class without tap shoes on. She, she just, I just said, you're in the room, let's do it. And this this young dancer has become really passionate about tap now and dance in general but i thought she was a shy child at first and she was just a quieter person but she's really broken out of her shell i've been following over the few years and it's just wonderful to see it sometimes takes a little longer to see it as well absolutely
1: or and sometimes i will get messages you know five years ten years later of somebody that i didn't think their time with me was like that memorable like we you know like they Weren't the super invested, super loving. And then five, 10 years later, there's something about what that class taught them. And again, it may not be dance at all, but it's like it sparked something or they learned something that they've carried with them, even if dance didn't continue
2: after 18. Mm -hmm. I think the lessons of dance continue though after 18. Absolutely. And and I, I hope that the people listening to your podcast remember that because I think sometimes dance teachers, studio owners are super hard on themselves and forget that even though your student may not have continued, they've learned, they've taken something from you. They've learned something from you. And I hear from students that I had 10, 15 years ago that remind me of things that I did in class that they've taken with me. So dance teachers, studio owners, remember, you have touched their lives. It just may not show up on a Broadway stage, but you've touched their lives. Absolutely. And I, I love, I always talk about those life
1: lessons and trying to help people hold in and remember what they are, that it's the life lessons have nothing to do with dance that are, um, part of the passion and like you were saying joe about how we're just teaching what passion looks like and they might be able to take that lesson when they find their passion even if it's not dance so continuing with passion but to kind of taking the other side of it throughout your careers has your passion waned and dropped did you have time when you didn't feel that same passion anymore
3: oh joe i see you go <laughs> go, go joe, go, you, see joe. you see me You see thinking <laughs> i do <too>. um <laughs> this is a really interesting question because I was such a fly by the seat of my pants. I still kind of am. Well, not as much, but I, I, I say that because <laughs> I say that with for a reason I say that because I don't think I self reflected enough to maybe acknowledge that, but there oh, were yeah. times in my career that I thought I was shifting to, a, to maybe not for dance to not be the largest yes of my career. And it never happened but I completely, but um, I was, you know, there was times where I was like, I think, is this going to be put to the side? I'm sure a lot of people do that, like, or how is this going to continue to be a part of my life? Um, this was probably, and I'm sure a lot of people go through this. This is probably when my performance career wasn't the bulk of what I was doing. And I was transitioning out of that um, for a handful of reasons and started then therefore teaching, educating, choreographing, and just shifting how I was, Using the art of dance in my life, so at that, that, but that was doing other things that were non-dance related. So there was a time where I thought maybe I was just it was over for the time period or forever, and but I don't know if my passion went away for it. So I, this is like a, a that's the best way I think I can answer your question. I don't think mm-hmm. I ever felt I lost the love and passion for dance, but I think where I was, I was there was times where I wasn't spending as much time doing it.
2: Okay, I've never yeah. lost the passion for teaching. There are days, of course, every teacher gets tired and it's like, I have to do this again and I don't want to see another costume order. And oh my goodness, can they just break right. their feet? Um, but I will say over the past 10 years strong, I've questioned what the dance world is doing, where it's going and what's it doing to our students.
1: Oh, what
2: yeah. what we're seeing, social media is huge. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older than both of you. So we didn't have a Facebook or any TikToks, or any of the stuff to look at, to compare yourself. So when I was going to a dance competition, I never compared myself to anybody but myself. But these young dancers are seeing things on social media, and on So You Think You Can Dance, and World of Dance, and they're they're putting themselves up to these ideals. So it's been a difficult journey for me as an educator to make sure my students are fully empowered to do the best that they can do And know that I don't really care what that means for them. I'm not Mm -hmm. looking for the gold, platinum, strawberry shortcake award. I'm looking for the growth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for the growth year after year. That's much more important to me. And something I've Mm -hmm. been trying to tell my comp kids as things have changed so much in the last 10 years. Well, I think it's, I see it all the time too. And
1: of course, on like the psych side of my business, I hear from so many dancers where, you know, not getting the, you know, the shortcake or the platinum yep. the whatever, like not getting that is like devastating and like life is over sort of feelings and emotions. Um, even if it was like one dance when the other 17 that they were in did really well, right? They focus on the one that didn't or they focus mm-hmm. on, you know, the one ranking. And that that always breaks my heart and what I want to help shift.
2: Okay. Chelsea, so I I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. Chelsea, why do you think we have shifted in this direction
1: i think the social comparison i i do think is a huge piece of this because it's i the social media research even sorry i get academic every once in a while but that the social media stuff about how you know we used to be our friend circles and i use friend loosely like acquaintance, is like 100 150 people and that's your little pond and that's all you know and that's and now you can compare yourself to hundreds of thousands of people and so it just, no matter what, you're never going to be in the top of everything. You're always going to have, there's somebody better than you at everything in some pool that you're looking at.
2: And, but that used to be a good thing. I remember going and getting, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't give this award anymore, but a high bronze at a competition. Right. Right. Being excited that I actually got the high bronze because it was a very difficult competition and working harder to come back and not get that high bronze at the next competition. I didn't feel like a failure. It just, for me, maybe work even harder. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a growth mindset, which is a, or mm-hmm. what I think is the problem. Sorry, Joe really wants to chime in. Go, Joe. No, 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 no. <laughs> because you're saying all these things
3: and I'm like, there's nothing more enjoyable when like, people you're talking to that uh, are like saying the things you're kind of thinking of. So I'm getting excited. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah preach it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so we talked about the it's social comparison. It was the term, right. That I think you use, mm-hmm. but why isn't it? And I, I think I did the answer, but why isn't it s- social inspiration? Because oh, getting access yeah. to all, getting access to all of this great artistry should be inspiring, not not shutting you down. So be inspired yeah. by the amazing dancers in so Think and say thank you, dance. Be inspired by these ridiculous, crazy, talented TikTok perform, you know dancers, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. I mean, be inspired by the other kids in the room at a convention. Don't be shut down by it. So yeah. the, but it's a mental shift uh, for sure. Um, and and so I don't, I don't know how to. I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's, but you're right. It's the, it's the mindset. It's the growth mindset that you, Michelle looked at it as how can I grow from this? But real quick, what I was thinking of to prove your point, Chelsea, not that it needs to be proven more, but when you <laughs> said that they're looking, they could be in 10 dances and they're bummed about, they're bummed about the dance that was, they did the, the worst in or got scored the worst, yeah. whatever bummed about huh. Uh, the reason that I agree that that's happening is I did a character strength finder thing with my one teen class that I work with in coach. And a lot of the kids when it, so the, the goal was to say, you have all these characteristics. It was just trying to identify the top five characteristics that are, that you lean on in situations, right? What, mm-hmm. what makes you feel like, what are your strengths of your characters? You have all these things. I can't tell you how many kids scroll to the bottom to see what they had the least. And yeah. they didn't focus on their top five. They focus on what what's what they weren't good at. Or, they didn't focus was, on the positive. But it wasn't even what they weren't good at. It just wasn't right. what their leading characteristics were. I said all these characteristics, there's not one better than the other. There's yeah. there, there was identified, I forget the name of the quiz, but it was 24 characteristics. And and th- it was just it was for you to them to understand who they were. And as many times as I said that, it didn't matter.
1: Yeah. Oh, and that's so true. And I think it is it's coming from um parenting that's changed. It's coming from the way schools are set up. It's coming from just, you know, the, the, our dance industry, we reward outcome. We don't reward progress and effort. And from like the mindset, you create a fixed mindset when you only reward the outcome and you have the kids who it's like, well, I have a certain amount of talent and I watch this amazing a routine and you know and so you think and I want to be like that but I know I have a certain amount of talent and it's just not that so I might as well not try like I'm never going to be that good versus the growth mindset as Michelle was saying is the inspiration of like oh but I know if I put the effort in I could get better like I know I have room to grow and that comes from us as dance educators rewarding and praising like the effort and the hard work even if they don't get Get the skill yet? Like rewarding the progress, but our industry is set up on only rewarding the outcome. Like you only get celebrated when you make the team, when you get the high award, when you get the job.
2: I totally agree with you, and it's something that, as an educator and back in higher ed now, that I am very conscious of. I finish all my classes with a circle, and and depending on what space I'm in, sometimes it's a compliment circle. But for my, you know, 18 year olds plus, I ask them, what did you learn about yourself today? And I love hearing the change from week one to now I'm at week eight with them to the end of the semester and how they're able to say something positive about themselves because the first couple of weeks they can't find anything positive about yep. themselves. Yeah. And I don't care that you didn't get the pullback or you did the jazz square the wrong way. You did it full out. So I, I'm yeah. seeing the change. And, and I think they're starting to understand it's not about perfection. And I think that is part of the issue with some of our our dancers. They think that yep. being perfect is, is, is the win. And it's not because I'm definitely not. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy dance. I enjoy the people I work with. I enjoy teaching it. I think the joy that you give to something gives you the passion to do it. And that's what I would like my legacy to be. I love it. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, taking the time though, I think we do
1: have to explicitly teach our dancers how to find the positive now. And maybe like, I feel like I didn't have to be taught. I don't know. Like it just, I, I was always more growth mindset. I I applaud my parents for that too. Um, But I, I didn't have to teach myself how to do that. It was, it was there. Um, But now I think we do have to explicitly take a minute and pause and be like, you did something good today. Like what what mm-hmm. went well? And is there something you want to focus on to grow for next time? That's great. Let's set a new goal. Let's grow in something and let's celebrate that. But what did go well? And like you said, so many students can't find the good or they like, they like physically cower, they like shrink a little oh. bit. And they're like, oh, I don't know. And they like can't answer the question.
2: No, and it's been a really interesting, Joe has seen me teach and he's seen me do if I'm in a studio setting, it's usually a compliment circle because students don't even know how to give each other compliments or take a compliment.
0: Yeah. Um, taking for and, sure.
2: And, and I make them look at each other directly in the eye, but in, in the college setting, it's just really, it's empowering for them to say, I did okay today. And I see their whole posture change when they, they say something good about themselves. And that is like, that's a win as a teacher when you can see that change in somebody. Absolutely. Joe?
3: Well, no, are we as part of that, Chelsea? What would help is is like asking the kids, like, why they're doing this? Like, why are why why are you on the competition team? Or why do you mm-hmm. want three solos? <laughs> or why do you yes, want to be here four days a week? Or, you know, whatever it is. Or why, yeah, yeah maybe for them to, I mean, listen, and if they say, I want to win, I want first place, great. That's not a bad thing. Like, but understanding the whole team might have a different why, which I think is probably okay if it's understood you know where what it's where it is because there can still be a, a common thing between that team but it could then then from going from that why is you know is acknowledging okay so why you want to do it i want to win okay but then let's talk about the measurement of success then is it still if you don't win how can we still make sure you understand that you're still successful do you know you can still be successful if you're not getting first overall. So let's still talk about the larger picture of success of you spending so many hours doing this. And it's not just the win. The win can be a part of it. Great. But let's talk Mm -hmm. about other ways that this is still a successful process for you.
2: Let's flip it to the pageant world. So it can only be one Miss America. We all go and compete. The, the Miss State. Every state goes. Am I not successful if I don't become Miss America? No because you still did the job, you've represented your state, you've got to that level. I think we, I, I think our students measure, measure success um, on the award instead of the growth.
1: Well, and I think my big challenge or my issue with that is, the out, is it's outcome-based that's not in your control. You can't Correct. control the judges. So you can't control Correct. whether or not they scored you higher or, but you can control how you showed up that day. And so like measuring success on something you can control is the only way to, like, maintain, you know, be in this industry for a long time and to actually see the growth. Um, but we have to, I think, yeah, show our students how to be more reflective and more.
3: Uh, I like um, what you're saying, though, is, is, is like going back to defining success is you should be defining success on the things that are in your control. Right. Because mm-hmm. the second you start to defi- you start allowing other outside things to impact the outcomes of things, then you're, you're going to potentially be setting yourself up for for um,
2: depression,
1: anxiety, well, failure, because
3: failure's not bad, but failure that you don't need to say is failure. You know, Correct. Things are, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. Rather than that place for growth. Absolutely. So I think that kind of leaves me what I wanted to think about too, with both of you is that because we have such a strong passion and you have your students who have this love for dance, I think that love can have a dark side to it because you care so much because you love it so much when things are not going so well like what what how do we help our students when dance doesn't love them back <laughs> like when they're having that hard time whether that be they're not getting the scores they want or they get hurt or you know anything in that realm
2: well I know and I can say this for Joe as well we love them back yeah. we are we're nurturing and and I I would I would venture to say that Just about every dance teacher would do that for a student. Mm -hmm. You have to nurture them. And remember when you, most of us grew up dancing, what it was like for you growing up. I think we sometimes forget the challenges we had as well. I know they've changed over the years, but yeah, dance can can be therapeutic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's helpful for students going through a dark time. Um, And sometimes you have to let go of dance for a little bit and come back to it to recognize how much you love it.
3: Now, I mean, I agree with you 100%, Michelle, is like still, you know, we have a different relationship with, with we're, we're the response, we're the ones that have a larger responsibility. And there are times you have to let students figure things out on their own, but sometimes it does fall back on us to teach things and mm. to model things. Um, in these situations when I feel like, you know, mm. dance isn't being nice back to us, I try to zoom out because usually mm. that's when, you know, uh, that that's when your the emotions tap in. Mm. I try to zoom out from that picture and be like, it's just as much as it's our favorite thing and we're so passionate about it, like it's just dance. Like it's just dance Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And I don't mean just and saying it's less than anything else. It's important to us. I made a life on it. I made friendships on it. I made experiences like this one right now that is such a memorable experience for me because of dance. Like somehow we all ended up the three of us here. That's powerful. So we have to zoom out away from, losing the award or falling out of my turns on stage or dance not being nice to us and think of the larger relationship with dance right because at the end of the day yeah. it is a relationship and we have to put into it and we have to accept dance's apology and we have to say that dance screws up sometimes and sometimes <laughs> it is not nice to us but if there's something that we truly love we have to move on from it and not hold a grudge from it or step away from it, walk out of the room and take a deep breath and then come back and have dinner with dance the next day. So I just think we have to zoom out and be like, it's not that big of a deal Overall, the relationship with dance um, is, is doing just fine.
2: I I like to tell my, my students, my competitive kids, this brought, this gold, silver cherry pie award, isn't going to get you in college, put it in perspective. Mm so, so what today wasn't the day, but that's okay. It's not, you're not putting it on your resume when you, when you're applying for colleges, just put, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to put it in perspective.
1: Yeah. I like the zoom out analogy. And I, I think of it from like an identity perspective that we, uh, if we've decided I am a dancer, so then dance is who I am. If it becomes all of who you are, then those setbacks hurt so much more. When it's like, I have no life outside of this, but if you're able, and like, I think the, us with the length of our careers are able to say, I am a dancer. I am a teacher. I am also, you know, 15 other things. I'm also a mom. I'm also a professor. I'm all, like, I have these other aspects of life. So if this is hard right now, it's, it's a piece of me and not all of me, but I think our younger dancers, especially like if they've held that identity as everything, then it, it hurts that much more for them. And we have to help them zoom out. As you
3: said, she is so good. <laughs> like i right mean, that's all that's, that's why we're here. are <laughs> right. so right. I, like I probably heard you say that before, but I think you're so right. There is that whole, all of, there there's so many other parts of you at that time that are doing great when something else just isn't. And guess what? More than not, dance is the thing that's been great when the other stuff's fallen to crap, right? Correct. Absolutely. So, and we're just yeah. used to that happening as often. Dance is the one that usually holds us up. But when yep. it doesn't, we don't know what to do with it. It's like when your best friend, you think maybe you're mad at each other or something happened because mm-hmm. they're um, your best friend's amazing 99.9% of the time. But maybe there's a time you butt heads or you disagreed or someone didn't get a joke. But you have to remember, dance is the thing that's been helping us the most. So when it's not, when it's yeah. the negative for whatever reason, it's like we don't know what to do with it.
1: <laughs> yes, that's so true. Absolutely. And I feel that way teaching too, is like now that I've been in that phase, You know, teaching and educating and, you know, being around all of these other educators, like that's what brings me so much joy and passion. But then if it ever doesn't, it's like, it's hard to remember. It's like, no, most of the time, this is where I want to be and where I want to go. And every once in a while, it's not, and it's okay.
2: Because that's true life. There are times I, you know, I love my friends, but I'm like, oh, I can't do it today. It's going to be times we, you want to be in the dance class in the room for our students, and sometimes they won't. And that's okay. That's real life. Well,
3: I mean, it, it's, it's, I know it's not this simple, but we can try to simplify it and say, like, you can't have good unless you have bad. Good isn't a thing unless there's a comparable bad side. You know, there has to be the other side of the scale. There can't be awesome. If, you know, so you have to have the, you can't, you can't define a good day without knowing what a bad day is. Correct. You have to be able to feel what both of those feel like. So yeah. I know it's not that simple in the moment, but I think it can be.
1: No, I think it's very true. And I think sometimes we try to protect our dancers from feeling the bad side and, and which is leads to the whole thing of why Mm -hmm. there's no more high bronze because we don't want anybody to feel bad. So we have to make everybody feel good all the time, but that that's not Mm -hmm. a healthy relationship with our emotions either. And sometimes sitting in the bad is, is a part of it and we can model and help them through that without just swooping in and let me pretend like this is okay or fix it in the moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You can't emotionally grow without that, and the kids aren't dumb. So we don't have high bronze anymore. So now we have high gold, which equates to the high bronze. Well, we right. you know they know. You go to the competition.
3: <laughs> you're like, hey, here a platinum is a high crystal at the other one. You know, so you Correct. almost you yes. must figure it out. Like you, you're right, right? You, know, you should. The be-
2: plutonium here is the titanium <laughs> here.
3: <laughs> uh, we could go in first.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. But it is, it, I think it goes back to like
1: framing success and framing, you know, where your passion is and that you can have a passion no matter what the label is and the external success and trying to help our dancers, I don't know, find the passion from their own internal drive and their internal source of
2: success. So. Well, I, I, there's a song in the tap dance Kid: dance if it makes you happy. It's really what it's supposed to be about. If dance makes yeah. you happy, then do it. If it's not about the awards, it's not about if you're a front row dancer or a back row dancer or a middle side dancer, I don't care where you dance. If it makes you happy, do it.
1: Yeah, that's great. I was just about to ask, like, if you had like tidbits of advice or things that you would share with either the dancer or the dance educator about like keeping this passion alive and what you would say, maybe that's it. That it's if it makes you happy, that's what it's about.
2: (laughs) Joe Nickel Pickle. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Yeah. You so
3: there's a fun a story with podcast. Joe Nickel. Yeah. I'm not telling it. If someone wants to hear it, they can tune <laughs> in. We talk about it or our wrap up. Anyway, that's not to Um Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I've tried to do, and I was nervous. So, you know, being a, um, a male educator in a room of, of um, you know, a hand with, you know, so I have a, a teen, uh, they're all female identifying dancers that are teenagers. It's a, it's some, it's a, sometimes I have this whole, think over my head, like, okay, I'm the male in the room, I'm twice their age, and how do I talk to them? You know what I mean? Like, how do I, and I'm not saying just because of males, probably all people from two different generations talking is sometimes difficult, and I'm good Mm -hmm. at teaching them. I'm good at being the teacher, but then when I try to ask them questions to open up, A, I really think about my approach into doing that, and how can I approach it so that they open up, or how can I present myself so that they open up? my answer to the question is just I'm trying to get better and I have, and I'm sure I have a way to go is to like slow down and like have conversations with the kids. I don't, that doesn't have to be a therapy session. It doesn't have to be this deep Mm -hmm. thing, but it can be therapeutic. Just showing that it's bigger than the dance step. And I think we have to model that. Like I just, I just put the responsibility right back on us all the time. Like we have to model the things we have to say, great job. Maybe don't just say, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Like the class, all right, Class is over. Good job today. Pause. Why was it? Why did they do a good job today? Good yes. job for putting in all the effort instead of good job for nailing your turns is different than good. You know, so I think I, yes. as a place of growth, is Is that, am I doing the right thing? I don't know.
1: That's um, amazing. Um, <laughs> beautiful.
3: <laughs> for the, hey, for the <laughs> listener, Chelsea is giving me thumbs up. She's talking. <laughs> you know But I, I guess what? I probably have some of this knowledge because I listen to your show. But um, I also so I do think I need to be better at how I'm saying I need to go I need to expand on a good job and then they'll learn why they're being rewarded by their teacher who I think they look up to and maybe we'll look at what makes them successful as a dancer you know in class or, and hopefully that translates to on stage and anything else. Mm-hmm. I
2: agree with that 100%, Joe Nickel, and that's why I love working with you so much. Uh, I also think it's so important for your students to see you as human, and yeah. and not. S- if they feel like they have a connection with you, I find that they want to give you even more. And they're, they're less afraid to step out of the box because there's no judgment coming from Joe or me or you, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lending that human aspect to your space, whether it's a studio or a high school or a college, I, I find to be very helpful. Your students want to know that you see them, yeah. that they're not just part of a room, that you see them. And and that has been the biggest change I've noticed. I've always been a goofy teacher. Joe knows that I'm a goofy teacher, but uh, shifting back into higher ed, that has been the thing that I, I'm consistently putting out there for my students because COVID has changed the world and it's mm-hmm. changed the emotional level of our students and what they can and cannot give you. So mm-hmm. understanding that and being more human with them, I find gives me better results.
1: Yeah. That's so good. And it's. I feel like it's both of you. It was very good. (laughs)
2: Well, it's both of you to
1: get like be being human and then helping them learn how to do that by asking them to reflect and what went well today and where and helping them, you know, redefine those things. So uh, I love that. That's such a beautiful place to kind of uh, wrap this up. Will you both just share uh, where we can find you? Tell us about your podcast. Tell us about Thrive Dance Experience. Where can listeners hear more from you?
2: I'm letting Joe do all this. No. <laughs> no. You're so good at it. God, all right, well, I'm you so do thrive, mind. and I'll do the other part.
3: How's that okay, great? Um, okay, so um, yeah, thrive dance experience. we're heading into our fourth season. We just are slowly announcing the dates for our fall tour. Um, but we do we're kind of a year-round company. We are we have an academy program for aspiring dancers ages fifteen and older looking to pursue dance. and it's something in the dance career dance industry in one way or another. Um, that's a summer thing. So information from that will be coming out. That's at thrivedanceexperience.com on either Facebook or Instagram. And um, yeah, come dance with us. We are, I'm blessed to have great educators. Tolson's there. I mean, come on. <laughs> Joe Nickel is the
2: founder and creator of Thrive Dance Experience, which is a one-day convention where we host five or six styles of dance throughout the day, many junior and senior room with teacher classes. Thank you, Joe Nickel, for parent, letting me talk. And the parent
3: talk. Coffee.
2: The coffee talk, which I love doing. Right. So that's thrive dance experience and and then and
3: then we we became good friends, Michelle and I, and um we know one of those times on the phone we're like, "We should do this podcast thing, Michelle, and um Michelle <laughs> pushed me, she's like, "I think you called me one day, you're like, "When are we doing it? Come on, get off the pot, let's do it so we, we, launched, uh, we launched um very fancy name Jam. j m it's uh Joe and Michelle's dance podcast, but Michelle, take it from there
2: <laughs> uh. Jam, I love saying it. Uh, it's is just a fun show where we have guests like yourself, Chelsea. They're incredible uh, in their field, whether they be professionals in still performing or educators in some way, or you know, started in one place and going to another. And uh, we just finished wrapped up season two. We are anywhere you listen to podcasts: uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And you can email us if you would like a certain guest. If you want Chelsea to come back, email us jam at Jam dance podcast at g- gmail.com. I was like, Joe, is that right? <laughs> no, no, no. There's no underscores, yeah. No underscores on that one, yeah. right. Chelsea, thank you so much for having us. It was of so course. exciting to be our first time doing this. Oh, I love it. Thank you both so much
1: for being here. And I we're, I love this dance industry, how much like you find your people, and then it just clicks right away. You know that you have the same philosophy in the same heart for what we're doing. So thank you both for your time today. I really appreciate it. Always good to be with you.
2: Thank you so much. Joe. So, best part of the day.
3: <laughs> love you, Michelle.
2: <laughs> I love you, Joe Pickle. Bye, Chelsea.